week, who knows, uh, but I hope you met someone really interesting uh, today. Welcome to church again. If we've not met before, my name's Ed. Um, how's everyone doing? Is it just me or is it quite kind of muggy today? It's like quite hot, isn't it? I've got a little through breeze coming, but Sam, can you open the back doors? Is that right? Oh, they're having a little worship time at the back. Tell them to go and do it somewhere else and so we can have the back doors open. Nice one. Um, good evening. Um, if this is your first time or you're just visiting us today, you are so, so welcome. Um, we really know that the difference between a church that you attend and a church that you kind of belong to that feels like family is relationships. And so um, if there's anything we can do to help you get to know the church, but um, you, you get to know us, we get to know you. If there's anything we can do to help that process, we would love to. There's a whole lot of team around, um, including these two, uh, um, Anya and Lydia, who are leading us tonight. We've got little badges on. Come and ask them anything you want to know about the church. And, and they'll definitely try to answer. Um, but they would love to uh, get to know you and help you get plugged into the life of the church. That's something we are so passionate about. And that works really well, actually, because today we're beginning a new little series of talks looking at our relationship with God. And um, God uses all kinds of language and, and metaphors, doesn't he, to describe his relationship with humanity. Sometimes he talks about himself like a, like a faithful friend. Sometimes he talks about himself um, like um, a, a father with children. And maybe that's something you're thinking about today, this Father's Day. Sometimes he describes himself um, like a relationship in a marriage, you know, with a bride and a bridegroom um, in a relationship. And sometimes he even describes himself like a, like a shepherd taking care of sheep. And if you've ever been anywhere near sheep, you know that they stink and they're grumpy and they're difficult, but the shepherds love them all the same. And I think maybe that's a good one. But as we begin this new little series, looking at our relationship with God and looking at what it means to live in that relationship, I want us to look at one of the most significant, one of the most important types of relationship in the Bible that we easily overlook, and that is covenant. Um, covenant is a, a formal agreement, a, a legal contract, a, an agreement between two people that they both agree to do something to live in relationship with each other. And maybe for that reason, it's not the most popular image that we use to describe our relationships today. You know, I don't say I'm in a covenant with my wife. I, I'm married to my wife. You don't say, oh, I'm in a covenant friendship with you. Uh, it's not the kind of imagery that we use. But over the next few weeks, we're going to see that time and time again, God uses this, this image, this description of a relationship that that's a covenant between us and him. Uh, and he makes that covenant with individuals, but also because he wants to use that relationship to restart his own relationship with humanity and the world around him, a world that barely knows him, the world that we live in today. And we know, don't we, that we were made for relationships. Like relationships are really what make us um, relationships of every kind, um, romantic relationships or, or, or friendships or parental relationships or, or relationships that if we were just really honest with ourselves, it's kind of a little bit complicated and a little bit awkward. Do you remember the time um, when on social media you could set your relationship status? Anyone still doing that today? I feel like that's kind of gone out of fashion, hasn't it? But there used to be a time where you could say, I'm in a relationship, or I'm not in a relationship, I'm single, or it's complicated. And let's face it, if most of the time we were really honest, it's complicated would describe pretty much every relationship we were in. But relationships define us. And relationships are something that our world is longing for and desperate for. 
You know, the relationship industry is massive. The, the online dating service uh, around the world is worth 7.5 billion pounds every single year of people wanting a relationship. Actually, most of us online have more friendships or followers or, or some kind of connection with, with way more people than we could ever know in person, face it with. And in fact, the flip side, the lack of relationships is one of the greatest diseases of our time. It's an epidemic of loneliness. More and more people describe themselves feeling lonely regularly. In fact, the World Health Organization uh, decided with a, a recent kind of study that, that in the Western world, that being lonely was more dangerous, had a higher mortality rate than smoking. You know, more people died from being lonely in the Western world than anything else. Because why? We were made for relationships. We were created to have relationships with each other. And so it's no surprise that God's greatest desire, the thing that he wants for all of us, is relationship. That's the thing that he made us for and he longs for with us. And not like a, a distant relationship, you know, somebody that you see occasionally and, and you don't really know, but a, a, an intimate relationship, a personal relationship. And not just like a collective relationship, like, like God has a relationship with the church, but actually a personal an individual relationship with each and every single one of us. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to look at this kind of relationship, the covenant that God wants to have with us collectively and individually, the impact that he wants this relationship to have on the world around us. And we're going to do that by looking at the writings and the prophecies, the, the visions of a man called Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived several hundred years before Jesus, and he wrote a series of visions, a series of prophetic um, foreknowledge, forecasts of what God was going to do in the time ahead. God spoke to him and then called him to speak it out to his people, the ancient Israelites. And this story is actually a story of relationships that are broken, covenant that gets broken, and God's plan to restore this relationship, not just to the, to the Israelites, not just to that nation of people, but to all people. And so like all good series, we're going to start with chapter one. And so if you've got a Bible or you've got a phone and you can um, look it up with me, we're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter one um, and we're going to start at verse four. And because I see no one is moving at all, it's also on the screens for you to read along there. So let's read this together. Jeremiah one verse four says this, the word of the Lord came to me before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Where's the rest of my reading gone? Oh, there it is. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. You know, this at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah is where God is forming a covenant with Jeremiah. He, he's calling Jeremiah to take on a pretty, um, a pretty unpopular task. 
He's asking him to go and to speak to the people of the kingdom of Israel, to tell them that because they've broken their relationship with God, that a nation called Babylon is going to come and take them into captivity and take them away from everything they know and destroy their society. And in return for Jeremiah being asked to go and proclaim this this pretty hopeless situation, God promises to give Jeremiah the words to say and even that he would rescue him when his life was in danger. It's a sort of covenant between Jeremiah and God. See, God calls Jeremiah to go and do something, to first to proclaim destruction and then to proclaim hope. And in return, God says, don't worry, I'll give you the words. I'll give you the influence. I'll give you the authority to be able to say these things. Because actually every covenant in the Bible begins with a relationship between God and an individual. The first covenant we know of is the covenant with Noah, you know, Noah's Ark, uh, where God decides, he, he covenants with Noah that never again will he destroy the world, he, that he resets his relationship with his own creation. And then he comes to a man called Abraham, and he creates a covenant with Abraham, and this covenant is an agreement that, that Abraham would multiply, and that his generations would go on and on and on and grow and influence. And then he forms a relationship with a man called Moses, that Jess spoke about last week, and Moses is called to take the people of God from captivity in Egypt and lead them into the land that God's prepared for them. And those, um, uh, that covenant's written down on tablets of stone, which famously Indiana Jones rescued from the Nazis. Um, it's a good film if you want to know how that happened. And finally, this covenant with David the king of Israel, who we can trace all the way back to Jesus or all the way forward to Jesus, who instigated a new covenant that gave everybody the possibility of relationship with God. Every covenant that God starts, he forms with an individual, someone who says yes to God in the face of doubt and uncertainty and insecurities and fears, someone who hears God's voice and agrees to do what God wants them to do. And I think there are people here tonight, and God wants to start a covenant with you. He wants to form a relationship with you. He's calling you to say yes to him. In return, he's going to provide for you everything you need to influence, to shape the the people and the situations and the places around you, to step out of your comfort zone, to speak to your friends and your neighbors and your family about your faith, even to tear down some things and to rebuild some others, to uproot some things and to plant something new. But the key to a a good relationship is to be known and to know somebody in return, To, to really know someone, to allow them to know who you are. And in the world that we live in, so many of us have become used to and accustomed to this idea that that actually it's better if people don't really know who you are, that they don't know what you're like deep down, that you put on some kind of mask or, or impression that you want them to see instead, a whole world of people pretending to be something that they're not. I love that social media app that our students have got me into called Be Real. You know, the idea that, that I have this horrifying uh, view that you get to see what my life is really like, but out of it comes relationship. And so before God calls Jeremiah, in an era when there was not Be Real, he said this, Before I formed you, I set you apart. See, before God called Jeremiah to do anything at all, that's what he says. He says, I know you. And in the same way, you are known by God. You are known by God. Even before you had life, 
He knew what you're like and about. And therefore, anything that he asks you to do comes out of that relationship with him, not a surface-level relationship, not a, not a polished relationship where you just show him the parts of you that you think are acceptable or, or pleasing or okay, but the real relationship, the relationship that is truly you, where you truly know him. I love what the author and the pastor, Tim Keller, said about this. He said this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything else. And a covenant with God, a relationship with God, starts with being really known and really loved. Beyond the superficial, beyond the surface level, into a proper relationship. Because unless we start following God's call from that place, we end up trying to do things for God rather than with God. And like Jeremiah, we start to wonder whether we're good enough or or talented enough. You know, Jeremiah, when God calls him to go and speak to the Israelites, his biggest fear is that he's too young. He says, alas, God. I don't think he actually said that. He probably said something else. But he's like, God, I can't speak to them. I'm too young. And look how God responds. Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. A few weeks ago, I was tidying up in my house, in, the, in my study, which is basically always a tip. And um, I don't know why I kept them, but I came across some of my old school books um, from year seven. Um, and they are an insight into 11-year-old Ed, I tell you that. I found all sorts of things in them. They're, they're kind of weird. Um, this is my English book. And um, as I read through, I looked at all the teachers' comments, and I looked at the things that I'd written. One of my favorite things that I really want to share with you is um, one of the writing tasks given to me was write five things that you would take in an emergency. And I wrote two gerbils. A sleeping bag, book, knife, and rope. Um, somebody this morning suggested that two gerbils might have been a food source in an emergency. It's not going to keep you going for that long. Better to pack Mars bars. But um, I wrote all this stuff, and I looked through these books, and it was kind of an insight into what I was like at that age. But, but as I looked through them, they don't tell a story of some glittering academic career. There's a lot of red pen in these. There's a lot of um, mistakes. There's a lot of spelling mistakes. But ultimately, if you were to look at them, the thing that would define them is that they're average, exceptionally average, like six out of 10, you know, tries hard, room for improvement. One of them said, uh, not working at full potential. One of my favorite things in my English assessment was that at the end of the year, the teacher would write a statement about how they felt that you were developing, and and you as the student had to write a statement too. And I wrote, my spelling has really improved this year. (laughs) can't make it up. It's genuinely in that. You know, I don't know about you, but when I think of the things that God's called me to do, the, the places that he's called me to go, my first response is just to think how unqualified I am, how average I am, to think of all the reasons why it would be better for God to call someone else, to send someone else, someone more equipped, someone more confident, someone better looking, someone more talented, someone just less average. But look, when God forms this covenantal relationship with Jeremiah, it's not that he calls the most qualified. It's not that he calls the most impressive person that he could have chosen. He calls Jeremiah, and despite the fact that he feels too young and too inexperienced, God still calls him. God still calls him. 
You know, we have a way, don't we, of disqualifying ourselves from what God's calling us to do. And for me, that word average, back on the screens, that's so helpful. It has followed me around like a black cloud for most of my life. You know, I've always felt like I just needed to try a little bit harder. I needed to do a little bit more. Like I was never going to be exceptional. I was never really going to make a difference. I always had to work more to achieve my goals than anyone else. I felt like I was the, the least and the weakest of my friends and peers. I thought that really deep down, I thought that my life would never amount to anything. And no matter how hard I tried, I would always be a disappointment. But look what God says to Jeremiah. These words are powerful. He says, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. See, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. In other words, it's not what you've got that God wants, it's you. It's you that he wants to follow him, to call, to, to, to lead you. It doesn't depend on your skills or your experience or, or your abilities. It depends on your willingness to show up and let God do the rest. And for Jeremiah, it was that he felt like he was too young. In fact, he was probably around 20 when he first started sharing these prophetic visions with the people around him. And last week, Jess spoke about Moses, and Moses wasn't 80 until God spoke to him at the burning bush. You know, we can all find a reason why we're the wrong person to do what God's called us to do. And I wonder, what are you holding on to today? What word has been spoken over to you? What, what name has been given to you that means you feel disqualified from the things that God is calling you to do? Maybe you feel like you're too young. I'm looking out at a lot of young people. Maybe you feel like you're too old, or, or maybe you feel like you're too middle-aged. Maybe you feel like your past disqualifies you. Maybe you feel like you've done something or you've said something or you've made a mistake that, that means God would never call you and never want you and never use you. Like he could find someone better to do it, but he's, he's just picked you. Whatever it is, I want to tell you tonight, it, it doesn't matter to God because God wants you. He's calling you and what he really wants is for you to say yes to his calling. Yes to his relationship. He will equip you with the words and the experience and the skills and everything else you need. He can give you all those things, but he wants you. And when God called Jeremiah, he, he didn't have everything already. But God is not looking for perfect people. And if he is, I definitely shouldn't be standing up here right now. He's looking for people who are willing to be his voice and his presence in the world around you. You know, sometimes I think we forget the power of our words, the words that we can speak to other people. For Jeremiah, God called him to speak into a society that had forgotten God. And, and I think we're called to do the same, to be the same voice. On, on Thursday, um, I went to our end of year student social. Who was there on Thursday? What a great night that was. We had so much fun. I arrived a little bit late because I had to go to a boring Church of England meeting. Josh, if you could edit that out of the podcast. Um, and I arrived a little bit late for this party. And so I arrived, and, and there were, all the cars were parked up on the drive. And I was expecting, as I got out of my car, to hear laughter and noise and joy, you know, the sound of a party. And it was silent. 
And so I walked up to the house and I could see that everyone was still there because all their cars were there. But I was like, where is everyone? Where's, where's the party I thought I was turning up to? And I don't know why I did this, but the window was open. And so I just walked straight past the front door and like put my head through the window. And what I saw humbled me. I've got a little picture of what I saw. I didn't ask anyone for this photo. Sorry about that. It's the back of your head, so you're fine. <laughs> but what I saw was our students and our young adults gathered around each other, and, and they were praying for each other. And they were listening to the voice of God, and they were speaking it over each other. And they were listening what God had to say for the, for the third years who were moving on and stepping into new stuff. And, and they were sharing that with them. And they were praying for Kate, our student leader, who's um, moving on and stepping up into new leadership responsibility. And they, and they were hearing the voice of God for her, and they were sharing it, and they were speaking it to her. And as I, as I watched this, it really humbled me to see this generation that I just, I think there's something happening amongst Gen Z to, to see them gathered around listening to the voice of God and speaking it over each other. It made me think sometimes we can so easily overcomplicate the call that God has for us. You know, we think that we need the right answers. We think that we need to know the right stuff to say all the time. We think we need the wisdom, but God is simply calling us to listen to his voice and speak it over the people around us. Karis, who was leading today. Where's Karis? Yeah, you're there. Um, I was joking around as I was chatting to you the other day, and, and I was joking around about how um, I'm never a good enough parent, you know, that my kids prefer my wife. And you said to me really clearly, you said, no, your words have power. And I wonder whether we need to remember that. You don't remember it. <laughs> well, that's... Oh, someone else. Okay, great. <laughs> don't, don't kill my anecdote. Let's get back to the point. Your words have power. Your words have power. They have incredible power. This is what God says to Jeremiah. I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. It was Lydia. Lydia said it to me. Your words have power. Your words have power. You know, God is giving you power and influence. He's putting you in places and alongside people where you get to, to speak into their situations. You have the power in your words to uproot, to tear down, to, to, to break things down that are broken and unjust, even to break down the words and the names that other people have been given. You have the power in your words to plant seeds in other people in their lives that will build and grow and change them and even transform the society around us. I wonder right now, who is there in your life that you have the opportunity to speak into them the very words that God speaks to you? What opportunities have you been given to speak into someone else's life and, and even through doing that to transform society? I think like he did with Jeremiah, God is calling you. He wants a, a covenant relationship with you. He, he wants to, to make a deal with you, to broker an agreement with you, to call you to, to go to the places where you, you're maybe scared and outside your comfort zone, but he's calling you to speak and to influence and to change things. He's calling you to be fully known by him, to have a relationship that goes beyond the surface, to, to form a covenant that will influence your whole life. And he's putting words in your mouth 
that will start new things. And as we begin this new series, and we're going to look all the way through the story of covenant in Jeremiah and, and the way a, um, a broken covenant hurts the heart of God, but the way it makes way for Jesus, the way in which God can shape us and change us and build us up, the way God makes a new covenant in Jesus, a promise that we could live in eternal relationship with him. We're going to see all of that, but, but right now tonight, I, I think there's an opportunity, a space for you and I to, to form a new covenant with God. And so would you stand with me? Would you pray with me? I want us to have an opportunity to hear the call of God on our lives and say yes. And so if you'd be willing to just to close your eyes so you're not distracted.